This is the Packer and Durham Podcast, Hour 2. Packer and Durham, three-power hour is upon us. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program as we stream live on the ESPN app. Everybody's still here. That's good. Otto checked on him. He's fine. Everything's great. We are good to go. Captain Ron's finished his drone administration work today. He's ready to head out. Look at him. He's, he's, got, he's got the itchy finger, man. He he's going to get that thing airborne. That's exactly Downwind. Right. I can't Let wait to rip. see that deal come flying right through here during the show. Well, while uh, there have been attempts, let me put it that way, and it, I'm just telling you, it is more difficult than you think. Because I thought it would be easy just to fly that sucker right on in here. We'll just take it right down the street, like when the Demon Deacon was here when we first debuted. At 5 a.m., and we woke up the neighborhood with a demon deacon on the motorcycle. That was not good. Remember that? Yeah. He popped in his head, and Fuller lost his mind. And yeah, the Fuller demon lost deacon his mind, and deacon his... ran for the driveway. Right. It was not right. good. I mean, again, it was uh, chaotic. It was quite we, a start. We rolled the dice. <laughs> Neighbors were not real happy no. with me. No. But uh, we figured it out. We made up. Yeah. Uh, but we tried to open up the French doors and, and try to it, – it's it did not work well. So we got, we're back to plan B. We're working on it, though. That's our goal. I figured the shoe blimp, I got the shoe blimp in my back pocket. I can do that with my eyes closed. Let me ask you a question. The drone is a little different. Let me ask you a question. Okay, real quick. And we're getting to Virginia, Virginia Tech here in just a second. Casey's like, what are they doing? All right, the ACC kickoff is on July the 20th. Okay? Do you think on the 18th or the 19th, that Monday or Tuesday, you'll be prepared to fly the drone in this studio? That, that would be a great goal. It would. It's good to put a thumbtack in something. Yeah. Like, oh, now we got, you know, Captain Ron saying, well, we're going to give it a target day. Yeah. Let's see. We're trying. I mean, we really think this could be cool. We got a lot going. We got a lot of things here going on. We're getting into spring. Captain Ron's over there. He's got kind of his thing going on. Plus, Robert's, you know, you doing know, you his thing. You have to thing. understand something. For a television show, we have to get approval. FAA. Yes. We can't. It's not just Joey Jones and the. And brothers John over there flying this thing in the neighborhood. Yeah, we gotta get some paperwork. That's why Captain Ron. It's a television. He show. steps into the hallway to work on drone administration. Robert is in charge of lighting in here. Yeah, a lot of and things. other things like things nice and cold. This thing on the road every day. All yeah. right, let's get to Virginia, Virginia Tech here, because we went to the people on some of this, and once again the people delivered. Because if you ever need to get something stirred up in April on a quiet day where it might be a little chilly, a little blackberry winter going on, all you got to do is talk about Virginia and Virginia Tech, and the next thing you know, presto, right? So when you check in on Virginia and Virginia Tech, let's give you an idea. They're playing baseball April the 28th, right? Going to get that going. In basketball, men's side, Virginia 1-1, Virginia Tech 1-1. Football. Hokies won again. Soccer, Virginia Tech won 2-1 in double overtime pack. Swimming and diving, Virginia Tech won. Uh, Men's tennis, Virginia won. Wrestling, Virginia Tech won. Um, Virginia Tech won in basketball. Uh, Women's basketball. They play lacrosse on Thursday. Women's lacrosse. Softball. Uh, Virginia Tech won two out of three. Swimming and diving, Virginia won. They're really good at it. Women's tennis. Water, Virginia won. Yeah. Women's tennis, Virginia won. And in volleyball, Virginia Tech won. 
Virginia's going to win in rowing. And Virginia's going to win in rowing. Because if it's in the water, Virginia wins. It's all about H2O. It's about the who's. Yeah. So, kind of tag this around. So, the rivalry's kind of, you know, there it is. You see one wins some, one wins the other. What's your favorite UVA-Virginia Tech game or memory? Right? Now, think about your rivalry and think about where those memories are. Mike Lewis, who has tweeted the show on several occasions, is a Virginia guy, typically. In fact, always. Always. Mike says his favorite memory is repeated every year when UVA continues to rack up national championships. <laughs> 30 and counting in Tid Nifford Sports, 18 since 2000, and Virginia Tech's trophy case remains empty. <laughs> Not a single NCAA title in any sport. Well, if you got it, flaunt that it. That kind of ends it, doesn't it? Well, no, I mean, that's one of those, that goes to the old theory, if you got it, flaunt it. And, you know, in a robbery, people are going to talk trash. It's all about scoreboard, and when you got natties, you got natties. I mean, you can't argue with that. Al Jones says, winning 21 of 23 in football since 1999. Say it again. If you got it, flaunt Holy it. smokes. Ownership. I mean, this didn't take long. These, you put this out there, and it's just like that. Yeah, well, these two in the Commonwealth, I mean, um, they're about as different as night and day. Mm -hmm. so it's a, I think it's an underappreciated national robbery. I totally agree with that. Because I mean, it really does represent – I mean, the schools are totally different. Right, mm -hmm. the towns are totally different. Right, uh, the fan bases are totally different. Mm -hmm. um, you name it. I mean, th this this one's got a little juice to it. At Hokey Chip, Chip Grub, Jim Drunken Miller to Jermaine Holmes to cap the comeback in 1995, followed by the trip on the subsequent subsequent UVA possession. So it's a football memory. Benjamin Cannon. That day, that awful, horrendous, <laughs> gut-wrenching, despicable, putrid, <laughs> dreadful, painful, unexplainable, deplorable, pathetic, and stupid streak finally ended in 2019. You know, when I think of these two, yeah, and I've got one for Virginia and one for Virginia Tech, sure, that's the one that comes to mind for me for Virginia. Right. Is when they finally snap the streak. Bryce Perkins. And 15 all that. straight losses, mm -hmm. right? And they and they win the Coastal to go on the way yeah. to the ACC championship game. Um, now, some just do things like send pictures. Uh, Hokey Oriole, which is a conflicted Twitter handle if I've ever heard one, all he did was send the picture. Look at that. Kihei Clark's shot being blocked in front of the Castle Guard. Kia said, you know what? Yeah, you got me, but I'm coming back. I'm going to take that shot again next year. Sean Padula. On Hokies the on their way to an ACC championship. Yep. Uh, again, pictures. This is this is what happens. Hootie McCavman of Troy. Love that. <laughs> I love that. Just a stiff arm and go. That's 2019. That's when Virginia broke the streak, right? Yep. Uh, Jacob Daniel. My favorite memory is UVA winning one title in basketball meant they have more championships than Tech's entire athletic program. <laughs> See, comes back to that again. Well, but that's I get it. Part though. of it. I right. mean, you, that's part of the deal, right? You got when you got it, you flaunt it. You got it, you flaunt it. But I told you, I, I was racking my brain again. I'm married to a Hokie, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, and I say that up front. 
But the Virginia memory for me was 2019 mm-hmm. when they finally did it, and the place goes nuts and they storm the field. Right. And, you know, Bronco, I remember crying and breaking mm-hmm. the rock afterwards and all that cool God, stuff. God, how good was this guy? Oh, dude. Bryce Perkins was nasty. Mm-hmm. Filthy. Uh, but, you know, they play late late November. You got those long shadows, the whole routine. And, and, you know, in 2019, Virginia finally put an end to 15 straight. And it kind of reminded me of what we watched with Michigan this past year against Ohio State. I mean, yep. they got sick and tired of being owned, and it was their time. In Virginia, in 2019, it was their time. Now, the flip side, because I kept thinking, all right, I'll give you a Virginia love. Let me uh, give you a little Virginia Tech love. And that one's different for mm-hmm. me. Again, this is just a personal deal. But when Frank Beamer first started at Virginia Tech, one of their own comes back, and he got off to a sluggish start. We've documented that a bunch before he went on to become a Hall of Fame coach. But in 1990, Virginia has an incredible run. They're the number one team in the country. But that was the first year Frank Beamer beat Virginia, and he thumped them, Mm -hmm. beat them sideways, beat them by almost four touchdowns. And to me, that one was reminiscent because it was kind of the turning point, I thought, for Frank Beamer. Mm-hmm. That, you know, hey, the Hokies got one of their own, running the show, gotten off to a slow start. Here's Virginia, number one in the country at some point in time during that season. But, man, at the end of the day, the Hokies punched him right in the face. And to me, that was kind of like the turning point of the Frank Beamer getting ready to go on a run and turn this thing around. Mm-hmm. So th- that's what pops in my head. I think that – you're right in that it's a very underrated rivalry. It is. Nationally, in football. In all sports. I, true. I think the other thing, too, is that while football kind of is the exclamation point, if you will, of the rivalry, boy, they get it in a lot of sports. The basketball stuff has been phenomenal in the last three years alone. Mike Young and – remember they had the Buzz Williams game where – you know, you had a last-second shot there, and then they go to Blacksburg, and it's an unbelievable crowd. They played, you know, because of scheduling, they've played tightly in some calendars. They've played, you know, beginning of the conference season toward the end of conference season. But the basketball's delivered, too. The basketball's been really, really good. And, but, like, this year, you had a pair of one-point games, one one on each one on their own home floor type thing. You know, here's the other thing about this rivalry. And I think you have to go back to Virginia Tech joining the ACC, mm-hmm. how political that oh was. God, yeah. Remember that? Yes. Back in 03, well. 04, 05, when all that stuff was going down. Very well. Yep. And it was the University of Virginia that came to the rescue to get the Hokies in the league. Begrudgingly came I understand to the rescue. That, but, you know, and there were still a bunch of Virginia fans oh. that were sick about it. Why are we bending over backwards to get our arch rival into our conference yeah. when they're in no man's land in the Big East. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think you have to even go back, like I said, what, 17, 18 years when all that went down? Was it 03, 04? Um, yeah, 04? It, was actually, it was actually summer of 03. Right. So, I mean, we're talking almost 20 years. But that whole thing was a thing in terms of the politics at play behind the scenes. Crazy. When Virginia Tech get into the conference, and they finally did, and obviously at the time, Frank Beamer had football rocking and rolling. Yep. And Virginia was kind of a spike, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a hit miss. But, uh, man, it's been great having them in the league. I know yeah. that much. They've been a great addition. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk to one of the uh, stars of their softball team at Virginia Tech. Meredith Slaw is going to join us. Tell you what, Coach Pete's got this crowd playing now. We'll talk to Meredith next. Look forward to her visit when Packer and Durham continues on ACC Network. 
This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. It's a Tuesday. Numbers 844-SAY-ACCN. Pre-power hours upon us, and we're getting it, uh, a new debut on the program because right now one of the hottest teams in all of America would be the Virginia Tech softball team. That would be correct, yes. And uh, Meredith Slaw has a big role in it. Uh, classified as the designated player. It might be my favorite title in all of college sports for softball. Meredith, the designated player. Well, heck yeah. You know why, Pat? Because she's 13 of 20 in her last two conference series with 11 RBIs. Is that, that's a designated player, Meredith. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are y'all doing this morning? We're great. So 13 for 20. The softball looks about this big when it comes in there now. Is that the way that is? <laughs> I guess you could say so. <laughs> I would say, forget about the designated player. That would be a disruptive force. That would be a disruptive force. Going back to what we were talking about last hour. Uh, Meredith, uh, (laughs) I was just asking you during the break, uh, the series that you just played at Florida State. I mean, Florida State's been the standard in this league for a long, long time and continues to be great. I I thought what you folks did, rolling into Tallahassee, taking two of three, trying to sweep the series, kind of sent a message, not only to within the league, but nationwide. Do you feel the same way amongst the crowd? I mean, that was an impressive series. Yeah, so it was really exciting. I mean, as everyone has seen, that was like the highest-ranking ACC series ever. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the three games showed that. Like, it was down to each pitch and each at-bat and how important each pitch and each at-bat was. It was great to see us competing against them, and I'm glad to see what can happen in the future. You know, Meredith, we had uh, Pete on a couple of weeks ago talking about, in fact, it was right before you guys went to Tallahassee. And we were talking about the long game here. The long game being the program this year, coming off of going to L.A. last year in the Super Regionals and things of that nature. How much of this feels connected uh, this season, the success you guys are having, to the momentum that got built last year in a weird year because of the pandemic and everything else. But it feels like you guys took some steps last year and now you're maximizing it this spring. Yes, for sure. I mean, we didn't lose anyone last year. So it's kind of just like we've already experienced the super regional aspect of the tournament, but we're looking forward to continuing to go as far as we can, but keep in mind playing first pitch at first pitch. So Mm. that's really good. Meredith, does it feel like uh, there's a target on your back all of a sudden? I mean, you know, you keep climbing, you keep chasing, you keep chasing. And not that you've reached the finish line because there's still a lot of baseball or softball to play to get there, hopefully to Oklahoma City and win an ACC title along the way. But do you feel like all of a sudden it is different? It's rarefied air for what Virginia Tech softball is doing right now. It is different, but like I said, we've had the experience of last year, and most of us are pretty comfortable with what we're going through right now. But we just have to keep our goals in mind and play the one pitch at a time. All right, but you're 32 and six, and you're 15 and two in the ACC, so it's going pretty well. I mean, it's <laughs> it's going like really well. Um, when you signed on with this program, you had to buy into a vision of something. I'm sure. Was this the vision? Was this kind of what you thought would happen, or has there been something that has uh, turned this program north during your time in Blacksburg? I would say the new coach, Coach Pete, uh, really turned this program around and uh, 
he wasn't the coach that I originally signed with, but right. I wouldn't change anything in the world for what we're going through right now. Hmm. Meredith, when uh, you're having practice, you, you ever go up to Keely Richard and say, guess what? You know what? I can hit anything you got. <laughs> go ahead. Give me that rise ball all you want. I'm going to slap that thing all over the yard. How does, how does that work in practice? Uh, in the fall, we pay, face her and Limley like, quite often, but I'm mm. glad in the spring she's on the other side of the field. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> she is something, though, isn't she? I mean, it's, I mean, it's incredible to watch her. Yes, it's a stud. I'm like I said, I'm so happy to be on this side of the field instead of the other one when we're playing. <laughs> All right, so Meredith, here's the deal. You mentioned Emma Emily and Keeley. Combined they have three hundred and eighty nine strikeouts this year. This this year. That's a career for some cats. So what is it about those two? Because Keeley is eighteen and two, Emma is twelve and four, both have an ERA under two. So when you stand in to take these fall reps, talk us through facing either one of them because it both look daunting at best. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely difficult. I mean, Keeley not just has one pitch this year, she has three. And Lemley has her go-to two pitches. So you really just have to pick a pitch. But, I mean, seeing their dynamic together and their relationship, Keeley has just taken Lemley under her arm, and it's really, really cool to see. By the way, it's also got to be pretty cool that the baseball team, uh, fresh <laughs> off of what they're doing, they have the big series against Miami. They take two or three. They're ranked now in the top ten. You're sitting here at the number three spot. I mean, all of a sudden, it's like Blacksburg, Virginia is the <laughs> mecca for baseball and softball. That's got to be an incredibly cool <laughs> feeling. It's definitely awesome for both of us to be excelling the way we are. I mean, we all are looking forward to go as far as we can mm. in this season, but having baseball ranked two is pretty awesome. Yeah, we had, um, by the way, we had Jack Hurley on this show, what, three weeks ago? A couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. And Jack said he couldn't hit Keeley. And Jack's <laughs> in like 550 or something. He's crazy what he's I mean, I think he was leading the country, third in the country yeah. and hitting at one point. He said no shot against Keeley. I was thinking, okay, well, if this guy who's hitting, you know, 400 and change can't hit her, then I'm surprised anybody does. Uh, Emma, let's – let's. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Meredith, I want to ask you about Emma and Keeley one more thing here. When you're the DP and, and you're in the game and you know the concepts and you see this game unfold, can you tell like the other team there, – there used to be an old phrase in golf about guys who would spend time before tournaments talking about how hard the golf course was, and other golfers would say, well, if they're talking about how hard the golf course is, that means they're not going to be a factor. Can you sense when a team is fearing either Emma or Keeley? Yes, for sure. I mean, definitely the first inning tells you a lot about what the team is going to do. I think personally, but yeah, I, I can tell when a team is fearing Keeley or Limley. <laughs> uh, we, we were laughing the other day watching highlights of Virginia Tech baseball and the ceremony, the tradition now that the baseball team has after a home run, they get the hammer and they throw it down. I, we got to come up with something with the softball team, unless you've got something for us. Have, has there been a discussion about that yet? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we do our own little celebration, I guess you could call it, when we come back to the dugout. Um, it's more we have a little thing in our culture, like it's expected. Like, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like when we hit a home run, yeah. we're expected to do that. So I like I like the culture that Coach P has brought and everything that we do. And it seems, Meredith, that, that 
it's this, like you said, it's almost expected. And, and I, I thought your answer to one of the previous questions about, well, hey, the target's on us because we expected the target to be on us. I almost, I almost get a sense that this is not unexpected for anybody in that clubhouse that, you know what, we thought we'd be a team that everybody had to deal with in the ACC and nationally. Yep, it's so it's really fun to see. And like I said, we have talented players. We're very, very deep and everyone has experience. I mean, it's it's just amazing to see and be All a right. part of a team like this. I want to ask you about tomorrow because you guys are in Knoxville to see Tennessee, which is kind of an interesting midweek game, relatively close. And then Louisville visits this weekend. So the ACC battles, you've already seen Florida State. Here's Tennessee. That's a top 20 team. Uh, but it's midweek. So how do you how do you shift gears on something like this? Do you think about, okay, this could be a long-term game. This could be a game, help us down the road, so to speak, NCAAs, that type deal? For sure. I mean, this game tomorrow that we're going to be in is just like a regional or super regional game, so we have to treat it just like that and have our high expectations and our plans and just back our pitchers as much as possible. Hmm. By the way, was there a point before the season started that you had a sense that this could be something special in Blacksburg? The chemistry, whatever For the sure. case may be? What, what was it? I mean, we as a team just get along so well, and the culture is amazing. Um, we just all play for each other, and that's what it's all about in the end, and to go mm. far. Um, and you mentioned that's where Pete has really helped, huh? That's Is that as much of it as anything else? For sure. I mean, he starts the cult culture. A head coach is where it all generates from, but it has trickled down, and the team follows what he does and bought, bought into what he brought to the team. So. All right, I'm going to ask you the hardest question you're going to face. You ready? <laughs> you good for this? Is this harder sure. than facing Keeley in the fall? Yeah, uh, this is harder than Rashad, right? Because, okay. I mean, listen, Meredith's hitting everything in sight, so it doesn't matter what comes. She <laughs> hits everything. Yeah, it's, it's going to get hit hard. All right, here's the question. Since you've been at Virginia okay. Tech, since you've been at Virginia Tech, what has been your hardest class? My hardest class, um, I would say intermediate accounting, 3115. <laughs> oh, even know whoa, the whoa, number. Whoa, 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 hold on. Intermediate when you know, accounting? When you know the number, that's even more important. 3115 is the class number, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, who's yes. done that? We've been doing 610 shows. Every time we have a student athlete make their debut, we would normally get a question. Here's the answer. Maybe you remember the professor. I'm not sure we've had anybody give us the class number. How about that? <laughs> how about that? That tells you how right. smart Meredith is. All right, Meredith, what is intermedia accounting? Um, it's more of a managerial accounting. Uh, it's just like a, all the material thrown at you at once. There's two intermediate classes, and oh, the first one is probably the hardest one. Yeah. All right. Do you remember the professor? Um, it was during COVID, so that's probably why uh, it was really hard. Yeah. Oh, it was online. It's even worse. Oh, it was online and it was accounting. <laughs> it's even worse. Oh, sharing the screen yeah, and worse. all that and all. Oh. That stinks. That's why it was hard. Of course, it was exactly. math. It would have been brutal yeah, it for me. It says Western. Yeah, it says math whiz me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Meredith, congratulations. Have a great rest of the season. You guys are fun to follow. Uh, pleasure to have you with us. We wish you all the best tomorrow night against Tennessee. It's on ESPN, by the way. So good luck there. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Meredith Slaw, Virginia Tech. You know what I like about Meredith? The, the, the tone of her answers 
And it wasn't a cockiness. It was just a pure confidence that we know what we're doing. Let's just go play. There you go. And I love that. That's when you know you got a team. Yep. I don't need to brag about it. We're, here's what we're doing. We're 15 and 2 in the league. What are you going to do about it? Uh, I like it. We got top 20 softball for you coming up on ACC Network, by the way. Uh, Friday night, 6 o'clock in Tallahassee, number four, Florida State, number 16, Clemson. If you like it on Friday, you'll get it again Saturday. Same two teams, game two of the weekend series, and it's followed by the Virginia spring game at four. Right here on ACC Network and streaming live on the ESPN app. When we come back, gather round, kids. There is a preseason top 25 poll out, oh boy. and it is in love with the ACC. Oh boy. It is in love. It's a romance. Back after this on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Appreciate Meredith Slaw joining us. Hokies are red hot. Third ranked team in the country. Uh, but speaking of rankings, <laughs> you know how much it's April and you start getting into the way, 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 way too early top 25s. We might as well come up with one. I mean, why not? Why not? Why not? It's about as scientific as everything else. You know, we else. had people last week wanted us to jump into accounting. Yeah. I said, nope, well, we're not ranking. We've given you the Pac-Man top 10 rowing. That's what you're getting this time of year. You're getting rowing. That's it. I'll come up with that Friday. Yeah. I updated rowing. Yeah. By the way, I still like Virginia. Who's in the water? <laughs> Number one. We had people last week when we unveiled the whatever preseason it was. PFI? Yeah. FPI. Whatever. IPF. They wanted CAT. They wanted us to do accounting. In fact, you and I had somebody ask us on Twitter, "Well, if y'all were ranking first, who would be first? Right? No, no, no. We're not ranking. I don't mind doing accounting once you have a chance to actually see the teams play. My only issue is people have nothing better to do like us, and are going to talk about a ranking of the top twenty-five, which we, you know, if it turns out to be true, great. Right." But uh, it means uh, very little as far as I'm concerned in April. But it is April, so we're going to talk about it. I'm with you. Well, that's why we have our friends at Pro Football Focus. Is that PFF? That is PFF. Okay. Here's their way too early top 25. Not to be confused with FPI. Not to be confused with FPI. Pro Football Focus has Clemson 4. Oh, boy. Wake Forest 10. Pitt 13. Miami 16. North Carolina State, 17. Somebody cue up Wolfpack Nation. Here's another bulletin board material. NC State. The Swiss are 10. Well, the Deeks were in the top 10 at some I, point last yes. year, so let's not act like we've never seen that before. I understand that. Miami, the only coastal team. Pitt's in oh, there. Oh, Pitt in there too, rather. Pitts in there ACC 13. champs. Miami and Pittsburgh from the Coastal and three from the Atlantic. The fist fight known as the Atlantic. Yeah, you got five in the top 20. I mean, I, I, I do think this is going to be a good year. Mm -hmm. I do. And I, I'll harp on this again. In my humble opinion in April, I think the ACC's Atlantic division will be highly, highly underrated. Um, nationally, no question. I think it's going to be completely slept on by most national folks because they just don't want to do the work. Uh, but the ACC is going to have three teams in the top 15, guarantee you, uh, in the early part from the Atlantic division alone. And I think that other cluster 
is going to be dangerous with Florida State, Boston College, and Louisville. Maybe Syracuse might even scare you a little bit. All right, Clemson four. I mean, that's not a stunt. I mean, we've seen the Tigers in that neighborhood sure. before. But it, listen, offensively, they've got to get some answers now. Right. They, I don't think Clemson. If you tell me the Tigers in twenty two, yeah, have the same kind of offensive issues they had in twenty one. They'll be hard-pressed to find double digits and wins again. I, I mean, agree. They did a brilliant job getting to 10 last year when offensively they were a mess. So they've got to get better on that right. side if you're thinking about, hey, they're a top-five college football playoff team. Now, if their offense finds it, hey, that defense is going to be as good as anybody in the country. They're legit to win a national title. Wake, Wake Forest. Offense, Wake, if the offense can find it. Wake Forest, 10. That's a big number, but it's like I said earlier. You said Deeks, top 15, though, potentially. I don't think it's a reach to put the Deeks in the top 15. I don't either. And you saw them in person last mm -hmm. week. I, I think there's a lot of pieces in place. Sam Hartman, they're going to be terrific offensively. Their scheme's a problem. Right. Got a lot of guys back on the defensive side. I, I don't think it's crazy to think Wake Forest is a top 15 team. Yeah. I don't. Uh, workable schedule. Without question. So they're going to be a problem. A Tory and Perry, big time. All right, Pittsburgh 13. Now, this is the one that everybody's going to see Kenny Pickett. Well, Kenny Pickett had national rhetoric's going to be Kenny Pickett had this unbelievable year, and now he's gone to Team X in the NFL. You don't know anybody running the football. You're going to be going, well, they got Jordan Addison, but he'll be double covered. All I see is playmakers. I see guys that make plays. There's a lot of guys back from a championship caliber team. And if they get solid play at quarterback, you don't have to be Kenny Pickett. I'm just talking about yep. solid play at quarterback. There's no reason in the world why Pittsburgh can't go ahead and say, guess what? Yep. We're coming back to Charlotte to defend our title. All right. You watch Miami Saturday. Like them. 16 in this poll. I think Miami's a top 20 team. I do. Mm -hmm. a TBD. Defensively, you saw things. I, I think they're going to get better. I mean, yeah. I, I trust Mario Cristobal is going to have tough physical players up front on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they are a finished product at all. I think there's work to be done. Okay. I do think their wide receivers have got to hold on to the football. I do think that's something that's going to have to develop as the year goes on. They had a case of the drops a little bit, in my opinion, mm -hmm. Saturday, because they've got a guy right there who can deliver mm -hmm. the pill. So I like the Canes. I think they are a top 20 team. If the mm -hmm. things bounce right, uh, would not surprise me to see them in Charlotte playing for an ACC title. That opener uh, in the early game with a and is a big deal. They got a road trip to Death Valley, right. big deal. Those are two that you circle immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like what they've done with their coaching staff. I like the attitude that Cristobal brings to the table. And you got a great quarterback. There's a lot of pieces at Miami I really, really like. I mean, you could say the same thing about NC State. Without that, question. That exact same bullet list No right doubt there. about it. I think NC State's legit. In fact, I did a show the other day where we were talking about um, FPI. I said, in my opinion, there's a team that's not in their top 25, not PFF, FPI. And I said, I think NC State is that sleeper team that if you think that they're not a top 25 team, you are on crack. I mean, this team is legit. There could be some people have them in the top 10 for crying out loud. But everything is in place for NC State to win their first ACC championship since 1979. Let that marinate a second. That can happen. Yeah. I, I mean, all five of those teams that we just rattled off are capable. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And as we sit here in April. Now, again, who knows what it's going to look like in August when camps open up and 
the transfer thing ends and the, you know, whatever rookies and freshmen can come in and have some kind of major impact and so forth. There's a lot of stuff that could happen. Right. But those five teams are all legit. All legit. We'll be hanging on to this top 25, by the way. It's a good one. Well, I think you should hold on to all of them. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what I did with the Phil Still magazine when it comes out. I don't even like to read it instantly. I like to keep it. And at the end of the year, you look back at it and you just kind of realize what we all didn't know or did know. Yeah. Whatever the case may be. I think um, interesting that, and this is just me, NC State behind Miami is interesting. I agree with you. Miami's got players. I'm just not sure we can easily identify the ones that will be the key guys like we can with NC State. Uh, to me, I would switch NC State and Pittsburgh. I might actually switch Pitt, Miami, and move NC State to where Pitt is. I, I get it. Or the Wake, NC State. You could do that too. I, wait, wait a minute. Wait, now you're switching everybody but Clemson. No, no, no. I'm just kind of – well, Clemson, if you're going to – Clemson's lived in that neighborhood so long – they got rights. They got HOA fees in the top five. I mean, remember last year when they found – look, people nationally lost their mind when they lost to Georgia because they were unsure how good Georgia might be. They were talking Georgia top five. And when Clemson had struggles offensively, people didn't realize Georgia was really, 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 really good on defense. Well, let's be, let's be completely transparent. There, there were people trashing Clemson after week one because they had a bias – they had a narrative that they wanted they to wanted sell. They wanted to sell it, yeah. And it had nothing to do with the Atlantic Coast Conference. Right. Let's be completely honest. And and you know what? Some of those idiots are still beating that same drum, and it's laughable. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dabo Swinney has built a power. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, you don't, you don't have to love them. You don't have to have the pom-poms out for them. But some of the trash comments that are made are done out of spite and being really, right. quite frankly, stupid. Well, the best example is what's happened in the last, what, 10 days? Where Dabo says one thing. Take 72 hours of stuff about it. Nick Saban, you read me the quote, what, last Friday we were sitting here doing the show during a commercial break. You read me the Nick Saban quote, which is exactly what Dabo said, and there's been crickets. Yeah, listen, here's the deal. I I can't speak for anybody else but myself on this. I have a respect factor for what, like, SEC football is. I I think it's a standard by which you find out where you really stand. Correct. I think Nick Saban's the best football coach I've ever seen in my life, Mm -hmm. right? And that includes Bear Bryant and everything else. But to take pot shots at everybody else to try to, to take somebody else to put them on another level is garbage. Right. It, it's a garbage commentary. It's lazy commentary. It's stupid commentary. You can respect everybody by saying, hey, listen, I have an opinion of X. Right. And justify it based on facts or stats or whatever, mm-hmm. as opposed to some hot take that you're never held accountable for. And unfortunately, when people now go back and say, hey, remember when you said this? Like, oh, I never said that. Yeah, you did. I think what Nick Saban said the other day about not being sustainable, what we're doing in this model, is a trillion percent right. Right. I think what Davo Sweeney said the other day about, hey, you know what? We may have to blow up college football based on the pace that we're going on is absolutely 100% right. Right. It's got nothing to do with what league you're in. It has everything to do with using common sense, your eyes, and understanding exactly what's going on in the world of sports. Totally agree. And that's where we are. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with the pom-poms. It has everything to do with having some credibility. All right, we're going to keep an eye on this uh, this preseason stuff. We'll pass those along as uh, as it merits. Uh, when we come back, we're going to meet not only a terrific athlete, an incredible student. How do they do that, Wes? The but pole so, vault. Well, that's what we're getting ready to find out among 
how we're also changing things in the community. Gabriella Leon from uh, University of Louisville joins us as we continue our coverage of Unity Week on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. To be a good pole vaulter, there's so many different aspects that go into it. You need to be fast, you need to be strong, you need to have good body awareness, good body control. There's so many different things we train for. It's not just running and jumping with a stick. Come on, Gab. Good, come on, two more. Come on, push on that last one. Nice. We do gymnastics a lot to help with body control. There's just a lot of different things going on because you have to be fast on the runway. You have to be able to jump up while at the takeoff and you have to be able to have that strength and body control in the air to maneuver the pole and to help you jump higher. The pole vault's such a different event. You have to have a mentality that's different than a lot of other events in track and field. Um, and she's someone that has that and that's made her um, a really great you know, prospect here and then developing the technical side of things. Um, while she's been here has been how she's been able to continue to get better. We go to practice to work hard and get better every single day. We'll cheer for each other at practice. It's really just an uplifting environment. Again, like so blessed to be at this school and be at a program where the whole team can lift each other up and the whole team works hard together. Do you want me to stand this pole or go up? There we go. Nice, Lily. That was way better off the ground. There we go. Nice. That was way better through the top. So the, the video kind of allows her to see, you know, like, hey, you're saying I'm doing this, but when I, I don't feel that. And then when she sees it, then she, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it now, you know, and so. Um, so I think video can be a great resource. How does it work? How does it work? I, I always wonder how, does it how work? people can do pole vaulting. How does just, it work? You know. I just can't imagine how that works. I really don't. <laughs> the ACC celebrating uh, Unity Week, and this is the second time the conference has done it. It's all this week across all the brands and sports and every institution. It's been a pleasure. Yesterday, Isaiah Holmes joined us from Miami, and today, uh, Gabby Leon joins us from uh, from the University of Louisville. As you can tell, an accomplished, and I do mean accomplished, pole vaulter for the Cardinals uh, track and field team. Uh, but also serving a major role in changing the community. Gabby, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? We're great. And uh, Packer's got a lot of questions about the art of the pole vault, and we're going to get to that too. Um, but this is an important week across the footprint of the ACC, and, is, uh, and the role you play at the University of Louisville, I, I know this is important for student-athletes. I know the membership and the conference is happy to celebrate Unity Week, but uh, tell us about your role in it and why it's been important to you to be a part of this. Yeah, so it's been really important to me to be a part of Unity Week. Um, being on a track and field team, 
We have members on the team from not just around the country and around North America, but we have members on the team from around the world, Africa, Europe, um, everywhere around the world, South America. Um, so just being able to be a part of this and support my teammates and um, just be a part of it is just such an amazing experience. And it's really cool that ACC gets to do this. You know, it's one thing to, to be able to get a great education. It's another thing to be able to get a sport to do it. But then, you you know, this is the cool thing to me about Unity Week is to talk to student athletes and say, hey, you know what, giving back to community, being a part of groups and clubs uh, to make sure everybody is included. Uh, I know that's been very, very important to you. I mean, the, the, the sports is cool. The, the work obviously is great. But giving back to community has always been something important to you, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been, definitely. I love being able to do community service with my teammates, with my coaches, um, with other people on different teams. It's honestly just a great experience to take what we get and give back to the community around us. Um, you are in a sport uh, where, and even though you grew up, I guess, in Michigan, I guess, but your Hispanic Latino background, you're in a sport where you're – you're unique, right? And you realize that. Take me through some of that journey and some of that kind of talk and, and, and kind of just visiting you've done with people about being Hispanic Latino and being in pole vaulting. Because you mentioned Europe. That's sometimes more often than not where we think of pole vaulters from being from. The United States certainly has been successful, but Western Europe is an area of rich pole vaulting tradition, right? Yeah, it has been. Um, so my Hispanic and Latino background comes from my dad. He's actually from Venezuela. He immigrated up here in his late 20s. Um, being Hispanic and Latino pole vaulter is very rare in North America that I've seen um, when I started in high school and going through college. Um, there's not a lot of colored pole vaulters, um, so that's just been something that I noticed when I was younger. But it's something that strives me, is puts a passion in me to do better and make a name for myself to make a pathway for other Hispanic pole vaulters to let them know that it can be something that they can do and that they can reach. Um, yeah. Gabby, what's been the most uh, gratifying experience for you? And I'm not talking about sports. I'm not necessarily even talking about academics, but, it, but as far as, as making sure that guess what, we're, we're all one here and that's part of what unity week's all about. But what, give me one for instance of, Hey, that's what it's all about for you. For me, a gratifying moment, honestly, is simply being able to do what I can do every single day. The people I'm around is just, when I sit down and really think about it, it's just insane. Like the people I'm around, the people I've met, what I've learned from everyone I'm around. Like I said, Unity Week, we have people from everywhere on our team. So you just learn so much about different cultures, traditions, religion. And every single day is just such a gratifying experience to be around people who I love, people I have relationships with, and people that I can just grow from every single day. Hmm. Simply, the people I'm around is just the gratifying experience, honestly. Gabby, take us through the small group you guys have at the University of Louisville in athletics um, that is a diverse group. Uh, Los Cardinals, is that right? There, that you guys talk about, you know, the backgrounds and cultures and things like that. What have those conversations been like here in the last year or so? Yeah, so one of the small groups on campus, there's a couple. Um, the one I do is Los Cardinales. It's for Hispanic and Latinos, but everyone is welcome. Um, we have people in the group that aren't Hispanic and Latino in the group. 
a lot of things that we learn is there's different Hispanics come from Spain descent and there's other descents from it. Um, so you have different countries. You have Mexico, Brazil, Venezuela, Peru, all those different. Within that, there's different cultures, different mm. food traditions, different traditions in general, different religion traditions. So just being able to do that and learn from the other student athletes and other students what their tra family traditions are for holidays and yearly traditions and other things like that has just been a really fun experience. And my favorite part is always trying new food. <laughs> oh, hey, now we're talking. Now you're now you've come into my arena, Gabby. That's the whole deal on that bad boy. By the way, as far as the competition goes with other members of other ACC teams, do you have conversations about Unity Week, whether it be at the Virginia Tech or Virginia or whatever the case may be? I'm just I'm just kind of curious how often you communicate with other ACC members. Um. I communicate with teammates, not sorry, not teammates, uh, different ACC members at track meets. Um, hmm. uh, for ACCs, we all wore like a unity sticker on our team, so there's some cool conversations kicking in there. Um, I also have some other friends uh, from other schools we've talked about, different unity among not just track and field, but also in the pole vault. So it's really fun just bringing up different conversations with different people from different teams. All right, Gabby, we saw a great piece from uh, the All Access um, with you working with Coach Resnick on, on pole vault. Uh, Packer is completely intrigued about the whole process here uh, because, as you can probably tell, we have no athletic ability at all to do any of it. Oh, wait, um, that's not true. We have plenty of athletic ability. No, we don't. We have nothing that no. would help us in the pole no, we vault. Have, we have zero. We have no athletic ability. Um, it, it, this competition, you're obviously very good at this. I mean, two-time indoor All-America and you're a scholar-athlete in, in so many different ways. But the competitive level in this sport, as I understand it, is really remarkable at the collegiate level, is it not? I mean, this particular discipline, just seemingly, it's it's really, really difficult from what I'm hearing. Yeah, so with pole vault, there is always something to learn and always something to get better at. Better at. Um, it can be very frustrating at times, but also very gratifying and makes me very hungry to just continue to get better. Um, every single jump, there's something I see I can fix. Every single practice, there's something I see I can fix. So there's always room to get better. And there's so many different things you can do to get better at pole vault. It's not just pole vaulting. There's lifting, running, doing gymnastics work, doing stuff in the pool. So there's always something to do to get better. Gabby, <laughs> tell me the very first time you said, hey, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. Because I can't imagine anybody that goes, all right, I'm just going to grab the pole, run down, off we go. None of it makes any sense to me how this works. What was the first time you ever did it? Was it like a disaster or did you just pick up on it instantly? <laughs> um, so I actually didn't want to do pole vault at all when I began my Stop. high school. Stop. Come on. <laughs> You didn't want to do it, yeah. and now you're like a seven-time All-America? Come on. How in the world do you not yeah. want to do something you become All-America? Seriously. Well, my high school coach um, was my algebra teacher my sophomore year in high school and told him I was joining the track team, and I told him I wanted to do high jump. I'm 5'3". He told me I was too short and I would never be good at high jump and to try pole vault. So I kept saying no, and... He asked me every single day for about a month to do pole vault. Kept saying no, kept saying no. One day I was just like, I'm just going to make him happy. I'm going to go to practice. And 
I fell in love with it the first practice, so I'm actually really happy he convinced me to do it, and I've been doing it ever since. And so the first time you did it, I mean, it worked. I mean, you didn't like think, oh my God, I'm going to snap this thing in half and there goes my leg because it just nothing about when I, every time I, and I watch it religiously when track and field events are on, cause I'm just amazed that anybody can do it. It makes no sense to me how it works. Yeah, I felt the same way. I was terrified to do it when I began. I thought I was going to get rejected and <laughs> fall on the floor behind me or do something like you said, break something, but the progression is so slow that it's really not scary. Once you get that first jump done, um, you feel confident. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't know about all that. But I know what I love to watch people who can really do it, and you, you can, do it. can really do it. You By the way, before we let you go, our traditional question: What has been your hardest class? Oh boy, at the University of Louisville. Oh gosh, my hardest class would be a class. It's called Bio Two Forty Two Forty. For 242, sorry. Um, I think it was like the unity of life. It was just about organisms and bacteria and learning about evolution of all those things. It was a lot of content and it didn't interest me much. I understand. So it was very that. hard. <laughs> I understand that. Bio well, 242. Yeah, that's not on the that's not No, on that's list. not on this list. Uh -huh. No, that's brand new to the list. Hey, congratulations on not only your success academically, but athletically and what you're doing on top of all of this stuff in terms of Unity Week, uh, you are a great, great addition to the big picture of what's going on at the University of Louisville. We appreciate it. Thanks, Gabby. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Have a great day. Gabriella Leon of uh, the University of Louisville. Wes, it makes no sense how that works. <laughs> Tell me, have you, ever, have you ever held a pole vault? Yes. Have you ever, yes. And you're like, how, how long? I can't even run with it, much less get airborne with it. That's, that's how do you do it? I don't know. Disaster. I know. Yeah, that's why we have no athleticism. All right. I would rather do running with the bulls in Pamplona than trying to do a pole vault. <laughs> Just let that marinate a second. Uh, I think I could hurt myself more trying to do the pole vault than I would be running with the bulls in Pamplona. I'll have to go to Spain rather than Italy for well, that. Nothing wrong with that. All right. I like Spain. Good. Uh, when we come back, the Power Hour features Roddy Jones and Georgia Tech golf coach Bruce Hepler. But when we come back, we got rivalries for you. Talk about that. Get your calls. Take some of your socials. Packer and Durham, the 9 o'clock hour on a Tuesday is next. Thank you for listening to the Packer and Durham podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.